Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I'm Clotho, at Clotho Spindle on Twitter, joined with Kama. Hi, I'm Kama, Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. Guile? Hi, I'm Guile. I tweet at Door Podcast on Twitter. Lot? Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr. And Mitchell? Hey, I'm Mitchell. I don't really tweet much, but it's <laughs> the fake Mitch M. Cool. <laughs> Not the, I thought you were the real Mitch M. <laughs> Maybe I'm no. getting you confused with Donald Trump. This Sorry. is the real Mitch M talking. But okay. <laughs> You've been following the wrong Mitch, Kyle. Yeah. yeah. I actually forgot my password about two years ago now, so it's been pretty quiet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll be going over Tyrion's eighth point of view chapter in the book A Game of Thrones in this episode, and spoiler warnings as usual for A Song of Ice and Fire and the show A Game of Thrones as well as warnings for discussion of violence and rape. Um, happening since last chapter, Sir Barristan Selmy is dismissed from the King's Guard. Sansa pleads for her father's life. Cersei and Joffrey tell her that they will be merciful if Ned confesses and swears fealty. Varys visits Ned in the Black Cells and advises him to admit treason. Ned states that his honor is more important to him than his life. Varys reminds him that Sansa's life is at risk. Rob's army arrives at the Twins, and Catelyn negotiates with Lord Walder Frey for their crossing. Lord Commander Mormont gives John his sword, Longclaw. Master Aemon speaks to John about duty and family, revealing that he is Aemon Targaryen, son of King Makar I. Khal Drogo has defeated another Kalasar, and Daenerys tries to stop his men from raping the women in the town. One of the women she rescues is a healer named Miri Mazdur, who agrees to treat Drogo's wounds. And now on to Tyrion 8. The Lannister army has set up camp by the Green Fork of the Trident, and Tyrion sh- has shown up late to Tywin's evening meal. Tywin's not amused and gives him news that the Stark host has moved south from the Twins and is no more than a day's march north of them. Uncle Kevin explains that Tyrion will be riding in the vanguard with his mountain clansmen. Tyrion assumes he will be in command of this vanguard, but Tywin informs him that they will be under Sir Gregor's command instead. Tyrion loses his appetite at the news after only one bite. Laughter follows his departure from the table, and he hopes they all choke on their suckling pigs. (laughs) (laughs) I was reading this, like, right before, you know, with daylight savings in the U.S. yesterday. You know, I was waiting to have lunch, and it was going to be a late lunch anyway, but then it was, like, extra late because of the time change. And I was reading this before, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. I could, like, taste. <laughs> I felt like Tyrion. <laughs> you know, I had a thought. It'd be interesting. You know, I think George should write his sex scenes like he does his food scenes. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, think he should just go with that. Him. It would work. Yeah, I mean, for him, obviously, the food is sexier than the sex, so. <laughs> yes. Well, there, I mean, there's a really awesome old movie called, um, oh, God, what's it called? Is it called Tom Jones? Not, like, the singer Tom Jones, but, like, the epic. And there's this amazing scene with, um, oh, God, Susanna York, and I can't think of the other actor, but they're all eating in the set. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it made me- 
It was so descriptive, though. I like. I even yeah. like took a quote just to give you like a, a taste of what it could. His sex scenes could read like, and it's you know the skin crackled. I mean, your place crackled with you know I don't know like shuddered <laughs> <laughs> under his knife, and hot juices ran from the beat. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's all there. See, it works. I mean, he can do the sword. He can do fighting scenes that are sexy and food that's sexy. But not sex, that's actual sexy. No. <laughs> oh, that's good. So basically, we have some writing tips for George. Yeah. <laughs> Pretend the sex is a suckling pig. <laughs> yeah, now you're ruining it for me, but okay. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned uh, that um, Sir Kevin seldom had a thought that Lord Tywin had not had first <laughs> it's kind of, we later know. find out that's not true so then i kind of wonder know, was that his... was kevin actively involved in that i mean oh i think it was true i think kevin was coasting <laughs> and once tywin was dead he you know he had to have a thought because god I, knows cersei wasn't gonna have I any i don't agree i mean i think we find i mean i think that's the the whole reason we have a pov structure but we find out and from other siblings that he's not it's not that he's, I think, I think um, Tywin's kids don't have the highest opinion of Kevin, but it doesn't sound like that's actually accurate. We have multiple no. siblings. So they just come... assume that he's sort of like always. No, Jamie over, certainly has, to... I mean, Jamie yeah, has but... a high opinion of him. He assumes, you know, Kevin for the Regency or, and, or the hand, like he's, you know, I, he I certainly think... assumes that would be the right thing to do. I think Tyrion, let me put it this way. I think Tyrion is not exactly. Uh, uh, well, I think he's not accurate here. Okay. I think I think, he, I think that Kevin's a follower, and that Tywin's dis Tywin's displeasure with Tyrion would lead Kevin to express the same feelings. Whereas someone like Jenna is actually a little bit more independent in her thoughts. Yeah. And I think you know what we know of Jerry, and he was you know a little bit more independent in the th- in his thoughts. So I think like it's probably pretty accurate that. Kevin would would have been like by far the uncle that Tyrion was probably not the closest to. Yeah, but I I think there's a big difference between I mean, you can be a follower, but you can still be you know coming to the table with things and and making suggestions and being heard. And I think that's a more accurate relationship that Tywin and and Kevin and probably I think the, had. The kids and I. I'm yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say the kids all have a filter that they see Tywin through. So maybe that impacts it that they all sort of see so. him as more, do- you know, dominant and sort of taking the air out of the room every time he walks in. You know, it's kind of he's the big dominant figure in their lives. But I mean, I guess his siblings would have a different impression, you know. No, I mean, his siblings absolutely had the same impression. I mean, we literally have Jerrion like leaving Westeros because Tywin took up like too much space and yeah. Tigget coped by... Like fucking and fighting, and <laughs> Kevin coped by like fading into the background more yeah. or less, like accepting his position as you know number two. But again, you can, I mean, look at like the the way like a normal leadership structure functions. You can have somebody. Who's I don't know clearly, what that is anymore, so I don't. Well, know that that's true. We don't have analogy. it on a national level. 
But I have seen it in practice elsewhere. It has existed in history. And you can have your leader, you can have your dominant figure, but they are usually supported by. Yeah. I mean, other... I know you like Kevin. I just don't see it at this point. I got to be honest. I, like, say... I don't okay. think he's. I, I think Tyrion's fairly accurate about him. I, I'm gonna go to the mat on this. I think. I think there's a difference between being a follower and being a mindless zombie who does whatever he's told to do. And I really don't think Kevin is well, that. And I, and I don't think that Tyrion's calling him a mindless zombie either. He but. seldom had a thought that Tywin hadn't had first. Uh, seldom. A zombie would never have a thought. <laughs> contrary to my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's like after reading, like, oh, he's pudgy and oh, he's like, sort of my opinion is that Tyrion, like... It, Kevin seems a lot weaker than I remember him being on the first uh, first read, or if I didn't pay attention, you know. So I don't know. It's through Tyrion's eyes. Through the yeah, through Tyrion's. Yeah, video. yeah. I mean, he did seem meek in this chapter. I mean, I feel like Kevin doesn't get enough credit, but also I think a lot of what's happening here is just Tyrion being very quick to assume that anything bad coming his way would be coming from Tywin. Yeah. Like the fact that yeah. this is <laughs> this is not yeah. a good thing. Well, and I mean, to Tyrion's in the Black Cells, who does, you know, does Tywin come to, like, kind of, you know, does Tywin deliver his messages himself? No, he sends his toady Kevin to do it. That's a good point. <laughs> no, I, again, though, I mean, there's a, there's a, I got a feeling we're going to be getting mail from Kama next week. <laughs> next week, man, I'm pretty sure. But no, are I, you? Okay? I mean, like, again, I mean, the position when Tyrion's in jail, the position Tywin's in, I don't think that really lends itself to him making visits to the Black Cells, even if he had that kind of relationship with his son, which he clearly does not. Yeah, Oberyn was a judge. He went there. That's Oberyn. Oberyn... Well, Tywin, I don't know. I, I, I mean, like Tywin does what he wants, right? Like he's no, having I don't, sex. With, I don't think he does. I think he is Shay. very much he, killing his kid. Now I want I a prequel he, of like Lannisters and like POVs with like Kevin and the Lannisters. I really disagree. <laughs> yeah. I think Tywin is very much hamstrung in many ways by his perception of doing what is not going to get his family made a laughing stock of. It's usually wrong, um, and it's not. I mean, sometimes it's like, dude, just do the the right thing and you'd be better off. Okay, I'm going to keep disagreeing on this particular point because I do think that if that was the case, if his motivation was to keep his family from being a laughingstock, he 100% would have not persecuted Tyrion and they would have covered everything up and Joffrey choked on a pigeon bone. You know, that is, they certainly wouldn't have gone with the, my son murdered the king. Both of my sons are Kingslayers. Like this is not, you know, this is not an area that if that was Tywin's like overriding concern, he also had he, he had Cersei screaming bloody murder the whole time and She's making an big... hysterical woman. What could she possibly know? <laughs> you know I, mean? like, I guess we're just going to have to disagree or agree to disagree on this because well, I don't I'll disagree, but I don't agree to disagree. <laughs> Brian Adams, you know. <laughs> Cuts like a knife. Oh, 
<laughs> okay, dusk is falling as Tyrion walks through the camp. He comes upon Shaga and Khan roasting an ox over their fire. They invite him to join them, but he declines and tells them to send him, sorry, send for him when it's finished. Tyrion finds Bronn sitting with the servants. Tywin is sent for him. We are introduced to Podrick Payne, distant cousin to Sir Illyn Payne. Tyrion thinks that Pod is almost as quiet as Sir Illyn, despite having a tongue. Tyrion asks Bronn if the dark-haired girl sitting with them, who looks about 18, was the one he had requested. Before Bronn can answer, she stands and introduces herself as Shay. Tyrion likes her insolent smile. They go into his tent, and he tells her that he will be generous, but along with the sex, he requires that she serve him and keep him company. Whether he keeps her a day or a year, he expects her to sleep only with him during that time. She responds, fair enough, and they proceed to have sex. After she falls asleep, Tyrion walks outside naked and asks Bronn where he found Shay. Bronn took her from a night since all the pretty ones were claimed. Tyrion confesses that he believes his father wants him to die in battle before returning to the tent. I just thought it was hilarious that he walked out there naked. I mean, I don't know. I guess nobody cares, but I just, I just, I, I couldn't get it out it of my was head. Pretty, <laughs> forgive the pun, ballsy to do that, but you know, walk around naked. <laughs> Maybe it's like an intimidation thing in a way, too. Like, you know, whoever the biggest dog is can walk around naked. In that situation, you know, it's Tyrion. He's like, yeah. I liked how he made Pod show him his tongue. (laughs) I think that a lot of this bit, too, is um, coloring, I guess, sympathy. Like, trying to get us to have sympathy for Tyrion. Um, Like, the whole bit about him... Uh, I'm totally blanking on what I was going to say. Is it the girls looking at <laughs> well, him? I think that's a good point, though, because I think, you know, in reading his chapters so far, you know, at least definitely the first four or five, they were kind of very much just like telling the story of, of Westeros and giving us some background. And then it was only in the last, like, maybe two, two and a half chapters that we actually, I think, kind of feel like we start to know Tyrion. Yeah. Like, the story is actually about him rather than him telling the story. Mm. And so, yeah, I think that there is a lot to, like, you know, a lot of sympathy, a lot of, like, figuring out who and who he is and why he is the way he is through meeting Tywin and stuff, too. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I know what it was I was going to say. It was mostly, like, just, like, the way he's relating to Shay and, like, setting out the ground rules. Like, it reeks of somebody that's just lonely for, like, human contact, you know? It's like outside of just the sex, he's expecting her to do all these other things, you know, like rub his legs and cuddle and yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, he should have gotten a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Sir Pounce. Sir Pounce's dad or granddad, maybe. (laughs) And wasn't in that last chapter, he talked about his, um, the, the, uh, crofter's daughter when he married her, there was a song that she sang for him. And then in this chapter, she's asking him what song he's whistling. Oh, that's a good catch. Oh, I bet that is. Yeah. And it, it, but it's, you know, it's still weird with the, the, you know, the age. No, I guess he's 33 and 18, but yeah, it's just, I don't know, whatever. I, I mean, at the same time, it's very clear she's a prostitute and he's going to be worldly. He's and, already yeah. going to be. At least she's 18. He, well, this is true. Oh, the whole conversation reeks of this is like old hat for both of them. Like yeah. they know yeah. how to do this transaction, right? But yeah, and I, it just makes me wonder like why he, I mean, I guess it's human nature. Like why he got in so deep with her when it's so clear that, 
you know, she's not. She's playing the game, too. It's pretty obvious. Well, I feel like he's kind of a sucker, though. Yeah. He is. Yeah. He, and the thing is, is he thinks he's not a sucker. His his um, POV is very much world weary. He and like like yeah. Lot says, he's done this before, but he's already starting to like he's talking about the sounds she makes um, oh. when they're, and yeah. you know he's kind of starting like well she feigned them so well and it started I think it starts to set it up in his mind that she's more oh yeah oh yeah you know and then and then when he um she makes the comment he says oh well you know something about cry for me when I die or mourn for me when I die. And she's like, oh, well, you won't know. You'll be, be dead. dead. So that was great. I mean, that's because to me, that just shows how she's just, you know, there's nothing. But, it sets but it I up. also <laughs> think it's why he likes her is because she does say shit like that. Like, she's kind of sarcastic. and Yeah, except I think she looked. believes it. Yeah, I never got that she was ever, you know, ever, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I think she has a little bit of wit to her. Yeah, yeah, but not that she oh, was she ever is. sincere in loving him, like, truly. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, um, Tyrion wakes at the night to the battle cry of trumpets. Tyrion wants Pod, oh, sorry, wakes Pod so that he can help him with his armor. Bronn rides up and announces that Rob Stark has marched upon them in the night. Tyrion orders him to see that the mountain clansmen are ready to ride. After he is fully armored, he rides off to find his father... And I'll read this. I thought this description was pretty cool. Um, Even from afar, his lord father was resplendent. Tywin Lannister's battle armor put his son's Jamie's gilded suit to shame. His great cloak was sewn from countless layers of cloth and gold, so heavy that it barely stirred even when he charged, so large that it draped most of his stallion's hindquarters when he took the saddle. No ordinary clasp would suffice for such a weight, so the great cloak was held in place by a matched pair of miniature lionesses crouching on his shoulders, as if poised to spring. Their mate, a male with a magnificent mane, reclined atop Lord Tywin's great helm, one paw raking the air as he roared. All three lions were wrought in gold with ruby eyes. His armor was heavy steel plate, enameled in a dark crimson, <laughs> greaves and gauntlets inlaid with ornate gold scrollwork. His rondels were golden sunbursts, all his fastenings were gilded, and the red steel was burnished to such a high sheen that it shone like fire in the light of the rising sun. Oh, I God. love that. It's gaudy, but I love it. <laughs> They really like their bling. I was going to say, you really know where Jamie got his gaudy taste from. (laughs) Straight from Tywin. This is the only section I was reading where I was like, this is word for word going in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What, not the part about the pig juices on the hot knife? (laughs) That was a strong second. (laughs) But as soon as I heard the ruby eyes... All, all the, like, yeah, I think all the no mods way. have our little, like, uh, I see the artist eye thing. Like, you know, it got lots of artists, too. But you love the gory stuff. So it's like, I think we all have our little. <laughs> Yours is armor poor and yeah. mine is gore. <laughs> armor poor. I love it. <laughs> uh, anything else? Oh, it was short. There was short, but anything else about that? I mean, I think it was kind of. It was of... interesting that um, <laughs> you know, he definitely makes note that Tywin leads from the rear. And, you know, he's, um, you know, kind of up you know up to have like a view of the you know up to have a view of the battle and stuff so he is you know not down there you know actually fighting because i think it'd be really hard for him to fight in that armor to be honest yeah he's kind of meant like meant to be like up on a hill you know the terrifying figure yeah those and i mean some of that stuff i just wonder it's so ridiculously bizarre sounding that is you know (laughs) that the helms that he creates for the characters sound so over the top (laughs) 
not practical. Like, none of them, you know, none of them can see shit. <laughs> their necks are probably sore at night. Yeah. Oh god, they all have to have whores to rub their necks <laughs> at night. <laughs> That's what or they just do like the little chain, you know, of all the dudes, <laughs> give each other little oh, neck god. rubs. That's hilarious. Now I can picture the camp. They're all in a big circle. Oh god, like a circle jerk. Oh goodness. Uh, <laughs> not, not a jerk. What is happening? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, that went way off track. Okay. Wait, I, I want to just give out a shout out to Braun in this chapter too. I quite enjoyed Braun in this chapter. His little like one-liners. Like there's um the one I liked when he saw Tyrion in his armor and he's he, he announced that he was going to be part of the vanguard. He said, "A small man with a big shield, you'll give the archers fits." <laughs> well, and when he points out that um. You know that that he'll they'll be serving under Gregor and Bronze like awesome like you know, yeah every every arrow on the field we're saved she'll yeah. <laughs> be like a mag arrow magnet basically yeah, yeah. Right? I love how Bron was so unruffled by like you know traveling with the ruffians and the <laughs> love it but he's never unruffled <laughs> that's true he's yeah that's very, a good yeah, point he's very much in this element right now <laughs> hey you know like will we ever see a ruffled Bron. <laughs> Maybe someday for like the White some Walkers. Kind of like, like a bird of ruffled bronze. It's <laughs> <laughs> the rare ruffled bronze. <laughs> oh, winter is coming. We'll see it then. Oh, Sir Gregor tells Tyrion to take the left and hold the river. He notices that the rest of the vanguard is made up of what Bronn calls crow food. Undisciplined free riders, cell swords, field hands on plow horses, armed with scythes and rusted swords, and half-trained boys from the stews of Lannisport. Tyrion wonders why his father sent uh, this travesty of a vanguard to hold his left. Suddenly, the Stark army pours over the hills top, hilltops, advancing beyond a wall of shields and pikes. Arrows fly and horses charge, and Tyrion is separated from Bronn. He manages to hold his own until a knight swinging a morning star bears down on him, injuring his elbow and knock- knocking him from his horse with a blow to the helm. The knight tells him to yield or die, but Tyrion lurches to his feet, driving the point of his helm into the horse's belly. The horse falls on the knight, trapping him beneath, and the knight yields to Tyrion. Bronn finally returns and comments that Tyrion did well enough on his own. Tywin thunders past with his reserve, sweeping up along the river, breaking the remaining line of Starkmen. Tyrion finds Ulf dead and Shaga holding the body of Khan. Of the 300 mountain clansmen, Tyrion estimates about half have survived. So they probably did pretty, I mean, pretty solid yeah. performance. Yeah, not horrible. I feel, no, they did pretty good, I thought. Yeah. I feel bad for the horses when they described uh, mountains. I mean, it's like they just use them as, like, they know that they're going to die in the vanguard. Like, they know they're just going to be. Oh, horses. man, that whole, like, passage where yeah. Tyrion is talking about, like, his head, like, his the spike on his helmet yeah. going into the oh, gut yes. of that horse <laughs> from the bottom. Yeah. Ooh. Gosh. Yeah, they and they do that in the show. They show the horses' deaths a lot. They're very visual about that. So it was like, oh god, the books are just as bad. <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> or cool, depending on your point of view. <laughs> Speaking of pretty cool gore, did you guys notice when when Chella ran up, Khan and uh, Shaga were like having their moment, and then Chella ran up and like showed them the ears she got. Yeah. <laughs> Good for her, I mean. You know. <laughs> Do you think that was four ears from two people or from four people? Oh, 
the oh, boy. I feel like, like you probably have one, to, one, one ear. I think it's take four. One. Take yeah, because yeah. I, you know, then you have to do math to figure it out. So <laughs> <laughs> you imagine counting by twos. <laughs> Two, four. Six. Well, actually, like, actually, uh, I briefly started reading the wrong chapter before this, and I noticed <laughs> at the beginning of the last chapter, Chella runs up to say that there's twenty thousand men there approaching. She can't count that high, right? Right. How long would that take? She can count ears. I I don't know. Maybe she has an ear abacus. (laughs) Oh my gosh, an ear abacus. Oh, that's so gruesome and cool at the same time. She seemed pretty proud of them. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why did she gotta do something with them? You gotta, you know, use everything. So it has to be like, does it have to be the people she personally kills, or could she just go like building her ear collection by like swiping all the ears from the dead? No, no, no. I feel this is sort of Honorable. like that that Facebook meme about how many states you've been to, and my rule is, it doesn't count if you've just been in the airport unless it's over twelve hours. <laughs> So I feel like you have to have killed the guy to get the ear. And I'm pretty sure she probably feels that way, too. You can't just randomly, you know, lop them off dead bodies. That's cheating. <laughs> yeah, I think she's kind of, she's has she's the honor around the ears. I could see her not <laughs> cheating. Oh. Well, it was a, so the description, it was a pretty awful, you know, spot to be in in this yeah. battle. And, you know, good for her. She made it and she got her ears. Yeah, Good that was pretty dirty, like, you know, the position they were put in. And, you know, I, I felt really, I really, truly felt bad when Shag, you know, because it's like, he, his, he was cradling him. Oh, my gosh. That, like, like made my heartstrings go, oh. Yeah, and he was talking about how he was, like, so unmarked or, you know, good-looking, basically. Yeah, yeah, because Tyrion kept mentioning the uh, handsome, handsome Khan. He kept mentioning that, that the Khan was so handsome. Yeah. So now I ship a... What dude does that? Like, hold somebody say, Especially he was that. so good looking, you know, <laughs> unless there was something going on. And they were at the fire with the ox. They were down there, you know, right. hey, <laughs> They had their little moment. Yeah, Maybe I should have paid more. Are they the same clan or are they different clans? <sighs> I thought they're, because he's son of, are they? Because he's son of Ulf like, and, or son of, no. I feel like of, we only know oh. one name from each clan, right? Pretty much. Yeah, I think they were different, but they hung out because like, they were saying the other ones didn't hung out, hang out. Sorry, but some of them do. And, right. You know, I think hung out is correct. After the battle, Tyrion finds his father sipping wine by the river with his uncle. Sir Kevin tells Tyrion his wild men fought well. Tyrion looks at Tywin and asks him if he is surprised. Tywin reveals that he put the least disciplined men on the left in hopes that they would break easily, luring the Stark army into the gap, leaving them vulnerable and trapped by the river when the reserve came in for the final attack. Tyrion questions why he was left ignorant of the plan, and Tywin responds that he is not inclined to entrust his plans to a man who consorts with sellswords and savages. As Tyrion is asking for a maester for his wounds, Sir Adam Marbrand approaches, and I'll read this little bit here. Tywin Lannister rose to his feet as Sir Adam Marbrand leapt down off his courser. The horse was lathered and breathing, bleeding from the mouth. Sir Adam dropped to one knee, a rangy man with dark copper hair that fell to his shoulders. Armored in burnished bronze steel, with the fiery tree of his house etched black on his breastplate. My liege, we have taken some of their commanders. Lord Sirwin, Sir Willis Manderley, Harry and Carastark, Four Freys, Lord Horwin, Hornwood is dead, and I fear Royce Bolton has escaped us 
"'And the boy?' Lord Tywin asked. Sir Adam hesitated. "'The Stark boy was not with them, my lord. They say he crossed to the twins with a great part of his horse, riding hard for Riverrun. A green boy, Tyrion remembered, more like to be brave than wise. He would have laughed if it hadn't hurt so much.' And that's the end. Womp, womp. <laughs> it's like hearing like Willis Manderley. It's so like just so awful when you know he's going to end up at Heron. You know, just be like tortured and fed God knows what at Heron Hall. And ugh. yeah, I thought that when I saw those names pop up, two of those that were captured. Was it just Manderley that ends up there, or some of these other guys are with? Some him? of these other guys are there too. I think. Yeah. Ugh. This I think the, one of the Glovers ends, maybe, well, no, the Glovers, not yet, okay. This is the Battle of the Green Fork, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah this is the battle where Roos kills off most of his neighbors, and the ones who aren't end up in the prison. Oh. Yeah, so, like, Hornwood and Sirwin are his neighbors, and... Yeah, and, um, yeah, I think some of these guys end up, because they're in, um, Harrenhal when Arya is there. Right. Okay. Hmm. How it's, infuriating would it be, though, to like be to participate in a battle like this, and then find you know your father just sitting on the hill drinking champagne oh, out of his goblet? Yeah, <laughs> just so, all the people died. I mean, they're still there. He's like <laughs> sipping amongst them, I suppose. Well, oh, but yeah. I mean, he also, you know, they did say that you know he was coming, he was coming down onto the field at the mm-hmm. end, like he was. You know, so it wasn't like he was just in the control room or something. I mean, he's, you know, leading from the rear, which is kind of, I mean, the standard, I, you know, the standard way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Glory. It's well, just, it's, it's, but again, it's kind of, I mean, it's just not an unusual technique. I mean, you very seldom hear about generals all leading the charge. You have to be psychotic like Teddy Roosevelt to do that. Or, you know... <laughs> Rob Stark. <laughs> well, yeah, it's also a different style of battle, and it's a different type of... And he's what? He's 50-something? I mean... I'm just trying to personalize it and put myself in Tyrion's place. <laughs> I mean, it's not, yeah, if you're not Tyrion, it sounds like, well, you know, slightly cold, but relatively reasonable plan. You know, it worked. Other than the fact that he didn't know Rob wasn't... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was and I mean, yeah. you know, it's sort of like... We, we see this from one side where Tyrion, we get Tyrion's POV when he doesn't know the whole plan and he's pissed. And then later on we'll get, you know, Catelyn's POV when no one tells Edmure and then everyone's pissed at him. <laughs> you know, like, uh, maybe people should just tell people stuff. <laughs> just, you know, might make things better. And it does seem extra, na- because really, what would it have hurt to tell? Because Tyrion's pretty clever. I think he could have acted it out well, well enough. I mean, it seems pretty petty for Tywin not to have told him. Well, except, I mean, you know, he I would think have- I think it's not un- illogical to assume that Tywin wouldn't have been heartbroken if his son had not made it right. out of there, and yeah, that that was part Tyrion. of not maybe a oh, express oh, I see. plan. Tyrion wouldn't want to risk yeah, that much if he knew it was that yeah, shabby I mean, of an I army. Think, <laughs> I mean, you know, that it taught you know to go to back to Kama's earlier point. You know, if Tywin wants to control the PR here, you know, my God, even his dwarf son died. You know, in a glorious battle. Uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> Oh, fighting totally, in the yeah. vanguard. Yeah, fighting you know? in the van. And, and he yeah. consented to that. Yeah. It's not like he had to be forced. And he would have been a lure himself, to, aside from what they were doing, you know, looking ram, ramshackle, you know, a lot of men. But he would have, just being the son of, Lan- you know, Tywin, it would have lured them in even more, I would assume. Because 
somebody was running at him and knew who he was. Right. And, right. Know, Although, was... I mean, really, it was really stupid of Tywin because he definitely, like, <clears throat> exposed Tyrion to being a, cap- to oh, be yeah, a captive, again. which would have yeah. just, you know, like, oh, great, this shit again. <laughs> I'm going to guess that at that point, it's like you're in the lead there. I, I mean, I've never, I'm not any kind of military expert, but I'm going to guess that if you're in the vanguard, there's not a whole lot of thinking going on. And that first melee, those people are just fighting like hell. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like someone's like, okay, we'll go capture the dwarf and then get him out of the fighting and we'll have a hostage. Oh, I think, I think it's, it's it's when they're, you know, when they're actually like fighting him that it'd be like, oh, well, you know, yield. Yeah, but okay. again, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of where places to go with all of that. I mean, right, like the one guy did try it though. Yeah. And I don't oh, know he what, did. You're it right. seemed like he had no plan at all. No. Like, he was they... alone. Like, that was a one-on-one thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe Bruce put all the stupid me. people in the front, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Bruce put his neighbors. <laughs> his neighbors were all idiots. Gosh. <laughs> well, no. Well, it's also, like, I think it's the kind of thing, like, you get in a situation where it's ex- it's it's put to you with a, how can you possibly refuse without looking like a coward? Yeah. And then, you know, you know what these guys are like. They're all like, they're going to go with, oh, you know, I have to prove my manhood. And, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, Roos or and or Tywin would have done stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, Tywin managed. He didn't. Again, Tyrion wasn't like strapped to a horse and forced out there. He just basically said, you're going to do it. And Tyrion said, OK. And Tywin's side was caught by surprise. So some of them were still drunk, he was saying. So, I mean, there's that. Element. Yeah. I always wonder what convinces these people. Because, I mean, if it was me and I was some peasant with a pitchfork, I'll be jetting out of there. Like, in the you know, just running, you know, when I have my chance just to <laughs> convince people to do this. Because, you know, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I think that'd be most of us in the comfort of today's society would pick that route. <laughs> Although when we were doing RPG, we we're kind of like, oh, let's fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, so I don't know. Don't pretend. Kill people we're for getting off of both. Speak for yourself. I was just flashing titties. <laughs> this will get me out of my jam. It was awesome. Except that our DM didn't understand you were fluted, flirting that one time. <laughs> like, my God, she's half naked and she's saying, come inside where it's, and yeah, sorry. <laughs> Wankins, we love you. Oh, I miss RPG. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Don't plug for the RPGs. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, any final thoughts on the, the chapter as a whole or? I don't really care for the battle. I mean, honestly, like, reading the battle (laughs) sequences, it's like, skim, skim, skim. Oh, I suppose I should read it closer. Oh, battle. People. Gross. (laughs) I just can't really... I just don't care. It's like... it's. I, I hate reading this stuff. I, I don't. It doesn't punch any buttons for me. It's not something I really care that much about. The frustrating thing is, like, I've read a number of essays that point out that when he goes into this kind of detail, there's stuff buried in here that you're supposed to pay attention. Yeah. So it feels yeah. kind of like there's an exam, and your instructor has hinted heavily that you should read <laughs> chapter 36. And chapter but, 36 sucks, but you're like, okay. But here's the thing: is we're never going to get the exam, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yes, I I get you, but this bear in mind: this was 
written. Oh, this is when people thought there might be an exam. Okay. (laughs) Some of the answers might happen. When was this Game of Thrones is written and when? I mean, that was. 20 years ago? How long ago now? So people did. 1994, maybe? 96. Wow. 1996. So, I mean, you can. 21 fucking years. Jesus. Someone's grown up and can drink beer now. Yes. In your country. Oh, that's right. Lots of countries have been drinking for several years. (laughs) So American-centric, sorry. (laughs) Okay, uh, do we have any mail? I think we have one this week. Yes, we do. Um, And it says, Hi, everyone. Just a quick question. I'm wondering wondering when you guys will do your first Game of Thrones Season 8 speculation episode. They have started shooting the new season, so I was hoping to hear your thoughts, good and bad, on what's to come in the show, especially any speculation on Jamie and Brienne. I'm enjoying the Tyrion chapter episodes. Keep up the good work. And that's from Kaylee Bai. Yeah, we have. So there's really people out there that aren't just like exhausted of the show for now. <laughs> well, we, we have. I mean, <laughs> yeah, to be fair, like for this, the really hilarious part, so our, our next, our first yeah. preview episode is actually scheduled for two weeks in two weeks. Yeah, yes, that's good timing on that question. And like for <laughs> exhausted and hateful and not ever wanting to talk about the show, we coincidentally have the exact same five people that did the preview episode. <laughs> 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 the gang's all back. United and it feels so good. Yeah, so. <laughs> We'll start those up. Unless we get some spoilers, I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. I choose to believe people are tuning in to hear this saltiness. That's what we're looking forward to. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple little tidbits we could talk about, I think. And we could, you know, obviously. Yeah. I think you could make stuff up and probably do that. You know, that would be fun to actually make things up because I'm sure some of it would actually turn out as, as you know, as far out some of the stuff is. Yeah, that would be like our fake spoilers. Yeah, our fake yeah, fake yeah fake we could make our spoilers. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in and see what it turns Go into. Go all out. <laughs> so I did see that Jason Momoa was in um, London and met up with um, yeah with Amelia. Amelia. There were two different like pictures, a bunch yeah. of horrible pictures and yeah. captions where they're still calling each other, you know, <laughs> Moon, my sun and stars. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, they're so adorable. <laughs> but she's just not the man you would call adorable, and yet he is. <laughs> Yeah, so if anybody you know, has any more, uh, you know, any tips you came yeah. across or whatever, send us in or questions yeah, about that. Questions for season yeah. eight would be awesome, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise we might have a pretty thin episode. <laughs> I know. We're just, <laughs> they're building some shit in some places. <laughs> Give us something to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot of fake, like clearly fake spoilers around. So yeah, we could have a little section where we we talk about the really bad ones yeah. that are funny because there's some like, that are funny. Yeah, but like how to spot fakes, you know, like there's some dead giveaways for things like when they just like forget about a character. And then and then there was, I mean, it's more books, book related, but there's that terrible, um, the chickie was sharing with me the um, really bad interview, the fake interview with George Martin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Everyone's by, basically. <laughs> Including characters who are, no sexuality has been ever expressed about any of them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, you can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com on Tumblr at close the door and come here at tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter at door podcast. Please like review, subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, 
Google Music, wherever you listen, and please support us on Patreon at Close the Door to get episodes early. Um, thank you, everyone, and thank you, Mitchell, for joining us again. And- yeah. Yay. Oh, thrilled Mitchell. to be here. Good the real Mitchell. <laughs> That's yeah, right. real. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, everyone. I'm closing the door. Get out. <laughs>